Hello, hello, hello. I am your Christina Wilson, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. (laughs) Goosebumps. (laughs) BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And how y'all doing? Uh, baby, I am back. I know last week I went MIA because my day job that makes me millions of dollars <laughs> <laughs> took me away to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I basically was living at work and had time for not even myself. It was just one of those buckle-down weeks that needed to happen, you know, folks. But I am back and better than ever and just ready to do this. The weather in New York City is stunning and exciting news, y'all. I've been so busy with my good gal pal Justin creating the cutest of Pride merch. And if it's not launched by today because a bitch is busy, it will be launched by Friday. And any Pride merch purchased between now through the month of June and maybe even July, I haven't even decided, all proceeds, you heard right, all proceeds after I pay out the company that makes the the merch for me, obviously, will go to the Ali Fournay Center. Um, As you all know, folks, I do one big charity thing a year, and I've been wanting to do something extra uh, for the community and something extra throughout the year just to give back. And I thought this was a really, really cute way and fun way just to give back to our community. If you don't know, the Ali Fournay Center is um, their mission is to protect homeless, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning youths from the harms of homelessness and empower them with the tools needed to be independent. So they provide housing and clothes and all sorts of things to these LGBTQ homeless youths. And as you know, because I said it, I say it very often here, a large percentage of the homeless youth on the streets of America are LGBTQ youth. So I thought this was a great way to give back and you get something cute in return for it too. So go to themunos.com forward slash mouth merch and it will hopefully be there 
Um, it's a lot of work to put up, so bear with me, but it is happening, and I'm really, really excited to just launch that for this Pride season. Well, without further ado, because I am rambling, I am so excited to have a guest with me today, so please help me welcome the one, the only, Nicholas Peters Bond. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you, babe? I'm doing really well. How are you? I am fantastico. Fantastico. Well, first and foremost, I can't thank you of giving me time out of your very bu busy schedule to be here with me. Time away from the children's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly welcome. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, before we get to the getting on, Nick, I got to do what I got to do. And in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Eat What You Want Day. Yay. <laughs> I like that day. <laughs> I, I mean, isn't every day Eat What You Want Day? I guess I, not. Uh, some days. <laughs> I mean, the gay body dysmorphia of it all and some, and, yeah. you know. The, the exactly. terrible things we put ourselves through for quote-unquote summer bodies. You know? Right. I gave up on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mildly giving up on that, you know? <laughs> I have a trip to Mexico in two weeks. I'm trying to, nice. I'm trying to get something together. National Eat What You Want Day. Well, yeah. what are we, what are we eating? That could go a lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I like that well, day. the podcast is called In Your Mouth. In your, exactly. <laughs> well, what, what's on the menu? Oh my god, I don't know, but I, you know what? As a chef, I feel like I, even if it's just a taste of something, I kind of do eat whatever I want. So for me, that's every day. <laughs> I gave up on the whole summer body trying to. Um, yeah, that that's that ship sailed. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, you, I'm really trying to impress. So you got a man and kids, so like <laughs> <laughs> exactly for exactly. those of us for those of us out here still in the streets, you. Know, <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep things tight and right in the yeah. in the best of all possible ways. You know, whatever tight yeah, and right yeah. means to you. <laughs> I love it. I feel like this is a death row meal. To be really morbid about it, though, like a little bit. Yeah, right. Like. Uh, I'm I'm a charcuterie girl, a shark coochie girl, as the yep, kids are yep. saying. Right? That would be me. It. Give me all the meat yeah, and cheese yeah. if I'm yep. eating what I want today. Tons of cheese, that's for sure. Right? Like, yeah. pop all the lactose digestives and <laughs> and give me all, like, the manchego and the burratas yep. and the... And the Stinky Stiltons and... Oh, good. Oh, my God. That's a great drag name. Stinky Stilton. Stinky Stilton. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, now presenting Miss Stinky Stilton. <laughs> Write that one down. That's good. You, could, you never know. You what would be that. her entrance song? Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Stinky Stilton. I'm trying to think of something that would be... Like, cheesy smelly? Um <laughs> <laughs> Songs that are cheesy and smelly. Hmm. Uh, don't want no short dick man. Don't want no short. No, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> working. It's a working. It's a working title. Yes, we're, yeah. it's it's workshopping. Well, it's you know workshop. what? You know what, Nick? No matter what you celebrate out there, whether you're eating what you want or you're not eating what you want, because 
that's the journey you're on. We celebrate you today. And moving right along to this day in gay history, Nick, did you know that in 1982, voters in Lincoln, Nebraska, go to the polls to decide whether or not to accept a proposed gay rights ordinance for the city? Leading the fight against the initiative is local psychologist Paul Cameron, who was who has asserted, among other things, that gay and lesbian teachers are 43 times more likely to molest a child than are heterosexuals. I thought this was really interesting with everything that's kind of happening in America yes. right now. That, yeah, that, yeah. that 40 years later, we're dealing with the same BS. Right. <laughs> It's no like, different. No, nothing really has changed. <laughs> but like what? Like what? Crazy. I mean, it it didn't pass, right? It got mm-hmm. it got uh, struck down. The ordinance the ordinance goes down in defeat, seventy eight percent to twenty two percent. And Cameron soon to be was soon to be disbarred for unethical conduct from the American Psycho- Psychological Association. He went on to continue doing terrible things. Great. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with people? What That's is a great wrong? question. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Also, on this day in gay history, we always have to shout out our Ukrainian brothers and sisters and they thems out there fighting the good fight to for their lives and for their homes. We send all our love and um, our thoughts are with you during these totally. times. You know. Yeah. And moving right along, I want to get to the getting on because I'm so excited to have you here, Nick. In your mouth, listeners, if you didn't know, but you probably already do, executive chef Nicholas Peters Bond has been at the helm of kitchen to aisle catering and events since November 2017, starting the company with director of events Megan Bosk. With over 15 years of experience working in celebrated New England restaurants and having earned his bachelor's degree in culinary arts and hospitality administration at Southern New Hampshire University, he has a deep understanding and appreciation of North Shore cuisine. Combined with his natural creativity and extensive training, Peter's Bond... That's Bond. Peter's Bond has the ability (laughs) to transform classic recipes into delicious, unique and revolutionary dishes. In addition to his vast experience, Nick competed on Hell's Kitchen season 14, where he placed in the top five. Yes. And later returned to (laughs) Hell's Kitchen All Stars, where he competed as a finalist. Most recently, Chef Nick has competed on Food Network's chopped sweets and started his YouTube channel Commanding Your Kitchen yes welcome (laughs) welcome first question what describe revolutionary dishes is this like the British are coming like uh, pot pie or is this like or is this like the Civil War like shrimp and grits apparently yeah it's just that good I guess you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bios are always like the I was having someone write the bio with me and she was writing it. I was like this all sounds very official and very good so I'm totally on board with this yes I, I listen I'm here for a fabulous bio <laughs> right and I mean you have all the acclaims and accreditations there behind you which is 
absolutely stunning. It's almost like going back full circle to Stinky Stilton, the drag queen. Yeah, um, it's almost like a little RuPaul's Drag Race. You, you did you did Hell's Kitchen. You yep. came back for All Stars. And then yeah. you did a spinoff. Like, exactly. you know, what, <laughs> what RuPaul drag queen would you compare yourself to the most? Oh, I would like to say someone that's like fierce, but I really don't think that I'm that very much that. Maybe like um, personality wise, maybe like a Jinx Monsoon kind that's of what vibe. I was thinking. Yes. Maybe not as like confident, but you know, that's kind of like my vibe. I would like to say like Shea Kool Aid or something, but I'm just not. We're not there yet. We're not. <laughs> no, no, but you can harness that power. You certainly yes, exactly. Certainly. All in time, you know. Right. Absolutely. Where did the love of cooking come from? I think my love of cooking came from just being, because it's a comforting thing and I was very insecure and had tons of anxiety growing up when I was younger and it kind of manifested itself in, in the kitchen. It was like a safe space. Um, I felt comforted by eating <laughs> um, and I then I started cooking for myself and for my family and seeing other people be happy through cooking made me happy. Um, and so that's kind of where it all started. I definitely think it was like, I didn't have something that I really was that great at. I was like this chubby gay kid and I wasn't out yet and I didn't play sports. I tried, I tried, <laughs> give it the old college try. We um, all tried, try we all tried, honey. Yeah, we all tried. I, 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 I was thrown on a basketball court, right? Yes. Right. I, the effort was there. I, I, I tried like soccer, basketball. I did like all everything growing up. And I was just like, this just isn't it. It's not it, sis. It's not it for me. And I was like, <clears throat> what makes me happy? And I couldn't find something that like made me truly happy other than food. And so that was at, at a pretty young age. I would say like middle school age is when I was like, okay, this is kind of what I want to stick with and do. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of just blossomed from there. Yeah. What's your earliest memory? Like what's your earliest cooking memory? I remember, I mean, being in the kitchen a lot anyways, because anytime my family would have like, which I think is honestly mo most people's families is when there's a party or, or something at someone's house, everyone always, no matter how freaking small the kitchen is, people just crowd to the kitchen anyways, because that's where the food is being produced. So I feel like fond memories of growing up in like my kitchen at home or whether it was like a family's kitchen, um, I just liked the way that food, whether I was eating it or cooking it, made me feel and made other people feel. And I thought I kind of had something there. Um, so I would say, honestly, pretty early. Like middle school is when I started cooking myself. Um, and yeah, I would say around that age is when I really started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so take me through the trajectory of like wanting to go to culinary school. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely don't think that everyone, it's not, college isn't for everyone. And I don't necessarily think that everyone has to go to college to become a chef. Um, but I wanted that experience, but <clears throat> I don't think you, I definitely got that experience. Um, got my college experience, I should say, which was great, but you don't necessarily have to do that. I think if you work your way up in restaurants, that's also another path that you could take. I think the one advantage to me going to culinary school was I kind of could skip a few steps, I guess. Like a lot of people start off like washing dishes and then they become like a prep cook and then they become, they start making salads and then it kind of works their way up. Whereas I kind of got to skip, um, skip that, I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it definitely helped like push me forward. Um, yeah, and absolutely. Forward. And we talk about that a lot here on the pod. Um, just, uh, sorry to cut you off, just no, in the sense of, 
you know, it's both, they're both valid ways, school and just coming up through the kitchens. And this, it's also why I'd, I never call myself a chef, although I have a lot of hours in my own kitchen. I am, mm-hmm. I am home trained for sure. And yep. I never want to take away from those people that did start at the bottom washing dishes and because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of grueling hours. It's 80 hours a week. And then for those of you that did go to school, mm-hmm. you know, those are a lot of hours too because you're you're in class and then you're practicing, right, as well. Mm-hmm. And then the internships yeah. beyond that and then yeah. whatever you do going forward, you know? Right. Yeah, it's definitely not... I think people have a skewed look at, like, the industry. It's definitely not... I mean, today is like very, it's very glamorous and you can start a career by social media, which I think is amazing. And you can become like a social media type chef or posting videos of your food and you can be a novice. You don't have to be an acclaimed chef anymore to have notoriety through your food, which I think is amazing because it gives a lot of people the opportunity to have a platform and to show what they can do without necessarily putting in crazy amounts of hours. Although I do think it like there is something to be said about working and oh, yeah <laughs> oh, no i understand your point i do understand your point there's just a whole lot of nonsense out there and oh, there's a yeah, whole yeah, lot yeah. of people making a lot of money who can't cook yeah you have the weeds I think some of which who have been on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i do think you have to weed through some of like because people will post literally anything online nowadays for with food whether it's good or not um so yeah i mean i think within reason I think you know, it is really cool that, yeah. And I guess it's all relative, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. I think, I think we're, we're traipsing into an entertainment sort of world too, right. as opposed to actually cooking. Because some of mm-hmm. that, some mm-hmm. of that, especially like the nonsensical stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you just threw that in a dishwasher in a mason jar. Right. And <laughs> this isn't, nobody's doing, you're doing this for the, like the clickbait and the likes. Yes. You Those know? people, yeah, that's not, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I do think it's a lot of, like, a shtick or, like, something that will get people's attention. And to me, I, like, miss old cooking shows because that's what I grew up with. Yes! Like, yes. yeah. I love, ha- like, when there was a chef going through prepping, talking about personal experiences, relating them back to the dish. And that's the the kinds of cooking shows that I grew up with. So now seeing cooking shows, it's all about... Reality, which I mean, hello. I was, I guess, I was on reality TV, but reality—that's your claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like that, or it's like these extreme, like just ridiculous things, just to make a dish, like you said, like a dishwasher or having some. Everyone always feels like they have to have something extra that's like so crazy or outlandish that will like get people's attention. Whereas, I feel like people, a lot of people are looked over because they have genuine talent, but. Um, there's just, there's just oversaturated right now with a lot of BS and fake, <laughs> fake yeah. cooks and chefs and things like that. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 a vast world to say the mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, but uh, you know the beautiful thing about ninety nine percent of the people on here is that you know I. As I seek people out to come on to this pod, it's about something that like speaks to me, whether mm-hmm. it's via the Instagram, the website, the YouTube, the I met you at an event. And 
And I just loved what you were putting out there. I love that, like, you are somebody who not only is shining in the kitchen, right, but also shining on television. And you have a family. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. a family. You're yeah. like you're like one of now three, if not four. I want to say you're number four, right? Um, yeah. Like a queer family guy, you know? Yeah, that, that's, I would love to, like, I, I wish I had that growing up, like that representation of like, somebody that was a part of our community that had children that was, whether they were married or not, or had a partner or not, it didn't matter. But I, I kind of wish I had that growing up. And I would love to be that for people. But like, <clears throat> like you said, it's a lot of it's oversaturated right now, but I'm just doing my thing and hoping that if anything resonates with someone great, and if it doesn't, that's okay too. Yeah, um, absolutely. And listen, yeah. uh, representation matters. Our stories matter. I say it mm-hmm. all the time here. Our stories matter because we don't know who's watching. We don't know who's listening. We don't know right. what person, young or old, sees that, sees you as a family man, as a person mm-hmm. with children, um, mm-hmm. and is like, oh, I can have that too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right? Because that's yeah. not something we see. And so, right. you know what? On that trajectory... Um, we uh, on the trajectory of, you know, talking about our stories matter. What was coming out like for you, right? And we are on the heels of Pride. Yeah, um, coming out for me, it, I think it was more of like an internalized anxiety that prevented me from, and societal societal as well, for preventing me from coming out. It wasn't necessarily even my family because my I knew that my parents at the end of the day were going to accept me regardless of what I were to say to them, which a lot of people don't have that. So I'm so lucky and fortunate that my parents were open and understanding enough to be like, okay, like you're gay. Like, okay. (laughs) Kind of like, and they accepted me. And my mom had always told me like, as long as you're happy with what you're doing, then I'm going to be happy for you. And that's what I, how I'm going to be towards my children. And that's what I hope for kids across the world. But unfortunately that's not the case, but Um, I'm really lucky that it was, I didn't come out until I was 21. Um, And I think that was a part of the reasons because of myself, I was looking at society and what I thought that I should be doing. And I was like a lot of our community was teased when they were younger and bullied and it prevented me from being who I am now, which is really a shame when you think about it, because I could have done so many different things earlier on in my career or in school and traveled and done things that could have propelled me even further, but I was held back because of my own anxiety and my fears and fear of being made fun of or bullied or whatever has happened. Um, so I'm, I'm just lucky enough that my parents accepted me. And then I finally came into my own and accepted myself, which I think is one of the biggest things. And so I give so many of these kids credit nowadays on social media who are coming out and saying I'm trans, I'm gay, I'm queer, whatever you are. And it's accept- mostly accepted. And I think that's a beautiful thing for kids that young to find themselves and accept themselves um, because I, I didn't have that or I wasn't like that when I was growing up. So what would you say is the was your key to overcoming that fear and anxiety and finally accepting yourself? Honestly, I think it was the first relationship that I got into. I didn't never, I didn't even really like come out I think a lot of people already had just assumed that I was gay which I am but um some, Wait a minute, some you're gay 
Yeah, I know. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So someone showed interest in me and I never thought like, because I wasn't out, I never thought that like, um, a gay man would approach me because I grew up in like a, a smaller town in Massachusetts and this is a great state to be gay and it's very liberal, but I also, I don't know. I just had a lot of fear about coming out and being who I was and I didn't have a support system. I didn't have a lot of gay friends, um, around that time when I came out. So someone showed interest in me and I was like, oh, okay, this person is showing interest in me and like relationship wise. And then I started a relationship with that person. And then that's kind of how I came out was I was like, okay, well, this is so-and-so and and that was it. (laughs) Like, this is my boyfriend and this is who I'm with. And it was kind of just like, okay, you know, my parents already kind of had an idea. So yeah, and most everyone did, but I think it took me being in a relationship and seeing, okay, I do love somebody of my same gender that like, and being in a relationship and be like, okay, this is okay. And this is how actually really how I feel. Um, so yeah. Yeah. First and foremost, thank you for sharing. Um, like I said, uh, our stories are important and I don't qualify coming out stories on this podcast, but it's, it's important to hear and it's important to hear the journey and it's important to hear about the fear and anxiety and it's important to see and hear the come through and what it looks like mm-hmm. on the other side as well. Yep. You know, that you're not only successful, but you're in a relationship, right? And you mm-hmm. have children and yep. it's and it's really beautiful. And not everyone is so lucky. Not everyone is so right. lucky. And um, shameless plug, but not. It was part of the reason, right? It was actually the major reason why I wanted to really push and work hard to do a pride chari- charitable donation through this merch, right? For yeah. the Alley Fournay Center, because we were just talking about kids who don't have who don't have that. And it's places like the Alley Fournay Center that pick up those children when the when they need it the most and right. help them. Yeah. You know? And there's um my friend Cedric was in Arkansas doing a show and he um sent me this organization called the Transition Closet. And they are out of, believe it or not, the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And what this organization does is they not only have private, like, sessions with families to, like, mm-hmm. guide them um, in, like, supporting like their... almost like therapy in a way. Almost like therapy. Guide them in supporting their children with, like, yeah. reading materials and whatnot. But there's also... Um, help for transitioning kids in uh, binder fittings and mm-hmm. um, uh, tucking fittings and things like that. So these children, in your mouth listeners, if you don't know anything about this, uh, especially kids who are transitioning and don't feel good in their own skin or clothing, will start to use um, tape or ace bandages or things to bind their chests. And mm-hmm. it can cause like serious, serious, like, bodily harm to them if they wrap too tight or there's all sorts of complications and things that can go wrong. So to have an organization out there in or, in Arkansas of all the places fighting against right. these bills that are being passed out, we're full circle once again, is really, really good. So please go check out as well the Transition Closet. You can um, pack up your clothes that you don't need and send it to them. Right, oh, that's amazing. It's, it's all there. Thetransitioncloset.org. I'm in that's such good. like a, in such like a, gushy mood. <laughs> I like that. I also think it's great that they offer like that they're, 
teaching people practical, real life things that the this youth w need to know in order to do, like you said, yeah. not harm their bodies yes. or to do things the right way. And they might not even know. So it is yeah. nice to have that practical experience. And yeah, yes. that's awesome. Um, I haven't done a ton of research about the transition closet. Um, yep. There's not a lot out there. Um, that's why I'm saying go donate clothes, right? Because yeah. clothing can help. Um, and at least, you know, it's physical and tangible and you'll know where it's going, right? Right, right. Um, and the more I find out, the more I will let you all know. And so, yes, thank you for that. I think now is a great time to take a little break, you know, have a little sip of our you know, morning coffee cocktails. <laughs> and we're going to be back with my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, Nick, are you ready? Because I want to take you out to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call Food News Update. Food News, oh. honey. You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News Update. Who needs milk? Tropicana created a cereal specifically for orange juice. <sighs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I, yeah, that's going to be a no for me. Um, but there's something out there for everyone, right? Like, I feel like when I was younger, I feel like I've done this before when I didn't have milk or something. I, I don't know. I guess it would just depend on the, the cereal. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about it either. Um, I, I don't think I've ever tried this, but I know it's a thing, you know, yeah. that like kids have done this, but they did this in honor of national orange juice day, which was May 4th. And, the thing is, like, we love to celebrate a national, like, you know, we love to celebrate a national yeah. food holiday here on the yeah. podcast. So I was like, okay, all right, Tropicana, I'm with you. <laughs> I am with you on this. I just don't know if I need it in my life because orange no. juice just doesn't agree with me. So Tropicana Crunch is uh, touted to be the first ever breakfast cereal created to pair with Tropicana Pure Premium, not a sponsor, so you can sip your sunshine and eat it too. Blech. Sip your sunshine and eat it too. I don't know. <laughs> we need to fire thinking, the like, PR team on this one. <laughs> yeah, sipping sunshine. I don't know. I, it's going to be a no for me, but I'm. you know what though? It, someone's going to buy it, I'm yeah. sure. Well, Maybe they were giving away boxes for free while supplies oh. lasted. So at least if that you wanted out. to try it. <laughs> you know, uh, but these things, you know what happens with these things, Nick? Like, the 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 cult crazy people out there, the cult lovers, maybe you're not crazy. Maybe you just have a penchant for weird things, right? So I, I retract my statement, right? <laughs> the cult lovers out there, um, you know, will buy these things and then put it up on eBay and sell it for like three, four grand. Right. You know? Yeah, um, or, or someone will buy it and try it once and then they're like, well, I'm not going to, this isn't, it's not like something I'm going to do every day is eat orange juice or cereal. So, no, or maybe or they'll post a video about it and yeah, I don't see it taking off. No, but who knows? 
The box describes it as a honey almond cereal. So now we're thinking honey... Every other cereal on the market is what you're saying. That's what you're saying. almond oranges. I mean, it makes sense. It sounds Maybe real... Maybe like in like a salad or a salad dressing or... Really, really savory. sweet. Really yeah, that sweet. seems... Yeah. Hmm. You know? Yeah, no. You know what? Honk if you love... Honk if you love orange juice with your cereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a taste of the 120 square foot Times Square studio here, Nick. <laughs> I love it. Additionally, the box advertises that it comes with a paper sipping straw inside. You know what? This just keeps getting worse oh. and I'm going to stop because yeah. I'm here to getting rid of, uh, you know plastics but the yes. paper straws gotta go too <laughs> a metal straw is fine like I'll yep. re- i have reusable straws the vegetarian the straws. straws the vegetarian the pasta straws why aren't we using those yeah, yeah. right they don't get soggy and, yeah. and they biodegrade anyways <laughs> i don't think we are here for, I, I just we're not here for it no. we're not I here for it but if it's for you it's for you yeah pop off go get it but it's not gonna be for me <laughs> There's an ice cream out there worth $74 a cone. The King's Scepters is infused with saffron blended with pistachio butter and cream and topped with 24 karat gold leaf. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> the gold leaf is stupid. What do you think about it? Like, saffron and pistachio ice cream sounds actually really nice, and you could probably make it yourself for a fraction of that price. And my thing is, gold leaf, I don't think it has a place, unless just for aesthetic purposes, I don't think it's going to, you're not going to be like, wow, taste that gold. Like, that's what you're probably paying for. Yeah, saffron is expensive, but the amount of saffron they use for a whole batch of ice cream is probably like four threads. Like, it's, (laughs) that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Nicholas, do I need to take us to another break so you can, like, meditate the anger away? Oh, my God. I'm already like, it's too much. $74. In your mouth, listeners, I got Nick worked up today. Um, Shout out to Food & Wine, who had the Tropicana article. Still not a sponsor. And this one comes from munchies.vice.com. Also not a sponsor. So if you ever visit the small southern eastern Italian town of Ruovo di Puglia, you might be in for a treat. Family-owned ice cream parlor, Mocambo Gelateria, has hit the headlines thanks to the Scatero del Rey, the king's scepter in Italian, a saffron-infused ice cream cone that costs 70 euro or almost 60 pounds, which translates basically into $74. That's crazy. That's crazy. A little-known fact, ice cream is my favorite food. So that's why I'm so passionate about this, because I love ice cream, and I do like the sound of saffron and pistachio together. That's great. But I would never pay 70, I would never pay, I wouldn't pay $25 for an ice cream cone. Well, okay, let's put it this way. This is a long time, very old, family-owned gelateria mm-hmm. in some little town. What the, what the hell was the name of that? Rovo di Puglia, right? <laughs> Sounds right. So I ain't never heard of Rovo di Puglia. Right. So all of a sudden, here we are talking about Ruovo de Puglia, and <laughs> I know. And now it's on the map mm-hmm. for people to go, yeah, and support this. Not only bring tourism to this small town, but also support this like 
I don't know, centuries old gelateria right. in Ruovo yeah. di Puglia. Could you, but can you imagine the flight just to even get there? And then when you get there, you get an ice cream cone for $75. Well, you know what? You already spent the money. Some people have the money, right? I mean, hey, if you have the money and you want to go spend it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sold. <laughs> wow, not even for the family. <laughs> no. I, if I went there, I would buy I would buy a regular ice cream cone from them. Okay. Okay. You know, I would too. I would too. You know what? I'm going to say... We're here to support Ruovo di Puglia and this family yeah. and the gelateria, but we're not here for the for the Instagrammable, expensive gold, yeah. ass gold leaf. It gold leaf doesn't taste like anything, by the way. No. It tastes no. like nothing. No. Right? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I don't think it tastes like anything. So. I don't know. I, so this is we're we're on the fence with this one. And last but not least. Peeing on your veggies may be the environmental key to saving fertilizer and saving the crops. Peeing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. This Let's one's get out of control. This one's <laughs> food news is food news it's is like wild. unhinged and wild these days. I guess so. We've actually covered this before, but this is again. And it's because of the war in the Ukraine and mm -hmm. the gas and also the gas emissions for um, how this certain type of fertilizer is made is like mm -hmm. really, really bad. So yeah. between that being really bad and then the supply chain being low, people are like, what are we doing? And apparently urine has a lot of of vitonutrients that hmm. plants need, but please don't go peeing on your plants because there's a whole process in extracting those vitonutrients to put into. You can't just go outside and pee on your and pee in your. I garden. mean, you could, right? You could, but yeah. I mean, I I don't. <laughs> although, I can't recommend that. <laughs> although I play a botanist on this podcast and in the bedroom, I am not one. So <laughs> please, con please consult. Yeah, I don't know if that would work the same way. But your that's you lo your local florist, botanist, gardener. Right. Okay. <laughs> on <laughs> this one. But no, it's a thing. And this one's from thetakeout.com. Um, huh. So, yeah. Synthetic nitrogen fertilizers are an ecological disaster waiting to happen, emitting potent greenhouse gases and slipping into waterways. Meanwhile, Russians, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine is ca causing a global fertilizer shortage. So in an AFP report published earlier this week, researchers discussed how human urine could reduce reliance on chemicals and cut environmental uh, pollution. Hmm. So... Yes. I wonder who was the first person to think of this. Like people think, and I don't know, scientists. I'm not really sure, but it's very interesting. But like that's going back to like who thought of putting like fermenting things and then right. throwing it into bread, and now we eat bread, right? Like right, yeah. I want to, I want to meet, I want to meet that Egyptian person who did that. Right. You know? Ten years from now, peeing on your on your garden could be the the new thing. So yeah. Who knows? So. Um, that's because Wiz is full of plants' favorite nutrients, namely nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, which wow. we naturally excrete when we hit the can. <laughs> Look at that. The more you know, I guess, right? I had no idea. Yeah, so AFP reports that a urine-centric agriculture system would have to involve overhauling the sewage system, perhaps even using fancy urine-diverting toilets that funnel urine into separate containers. 
Uh, similar endeavors are underway in countries including Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, South Africa, Ethiopia, India, Mexico, the U.S., and France. AFP notes, but there's a full... Then there's the PR of it all. Oh, my God. Who wrote this? The P <laughs> relations, if you will. Like, are consumers ready to dive into a new urine-soaked right. agriculture reality? Probably not. However, it seems like if a lot of countries are already, like, researching this and on board, who honestly, who knows? But I feel like, I don't know, people in this country, I don't know if they're ready for that. I don't know, but, like, if you think about it, like, there's that whole old saying, or maybe I made it up, like, when you eat tomatoes, you can go, like, poop in the garden and you'll have, like, the best tomatoes, you know? I mean, yeah, fertilizer, basically, yeah. So it's not that far off, I guess. So... But you know what the crazy thing is? Is that people would have a major problem with pee on your on your plants, but of like course. are consuming fast food and all sorts of synthetic items that they don't even right. know they, like that we can't even pronounce the words. Right. Like what the hell is maltodextrin? Right, because they I think it's because people like they're familiar they're like, oh pee, that's gross. But like you said, there's all these chemicals, they're like, Well, I don't know what it is, so I don't care. If they know about it, then they'll be, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's really not that far, far fetched from what we already have manure and fertilizer and things like that. I guess it really isn't that strange. I mean, you have a household, like think of of all the plants you can grow. (laughs) I know I'm starting a garden now. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Like Bernstein once said, we'll make our garden grow, right? Yeah. We're neither. Oh my God. You know what? Like I said, this one's for all the water sports queens out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> sa- save your pee and save a tree. I, I don't know. That. That's yeah, that's so, good. <laughs> that that's is good. not that is not part of the pride merch, but that is a great way to end <laughs> food <laughs> news update. I love it. <laughs> tell, you know what? Tell your kids that bad time story. Yeah, seriously. Right. <laughs> I'll find my daughter in the garden peeing. That's great. You know, <laughs> well, better, well, better than on the rug. Exactly. I guess. Honestly, I, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. What was your favorite experience that you had um, in all like doing the shows that you've done? Hmm. I would say, believe it or not, the first time I was on Hell's Kitchen. Um, going back to anxiety again, because even anxiety today is still a big part of my life. And I, I was, I held myself back so much. Like I didn't like, even in college, I didn't go on, like I didn't travel abroad because I had anxiety, the fear of flying, the fear of going to an unknown place by myself. Whereas now I would gladly, someone take me away. Let's go. I'll I'll go wherever. But back then I just, I would have never done that. And I feel like I missed out on a lot. Um, so when I went on Hell's Kitchen, I hadn't been flown on a plane, I would say in five plus years. And I have never traveled, had never traveled alone. Um, I was very much kind of a homebody up until I was like 23, 24. Um, so when I went on the show, I flew by myself to LA. Um, and then they flew me back and then I flew back again. And then that's when I was on the show and I was gone for five weeks so I went from not never going away alone, not really flying to flying t- across the country and leaving my family and my husband. We were dating at the time and um, for five weeks without 
no cell phone, nothing. So that to me was almost like just like thrown to the wolves. And that I really do believe has helped me now as a person because it took me so far out of my comfort zone that I was kind of forced. They were like, I didn't have a phone. I couldn't call home and be like, I want to get out of here. Like, this is too much. Like, I'm not doing this. I didn't have that option. So it kind of just like forced me to kind of face my anxiety head on. And um, yeah, it, it was crazy how much after that I was like, okay, I literally just was gone for five weeks of my life. I didn't talk to anyone I knew. I was with these strangers. If I can do this and like what's stopping me from tr- doing another show or doing something else or so it was kind of just like snapped me out of it in a way. Yeah. Honestly, that's like the best thing I got out of it was like a sense of independence. And yeah, it how much of the Gordon Ramsay yelling is a thing? He yells. Um, I feel like I didn't get too much of it either time I was on. Um but yeah, it's like there's so much going on around you. Like between, I almost like had to tune him out because don't tell him that. Because it was like he's just screaming and, and there's so there's cameras and there's other contestants yelling and then there's a whole like audience or a restaurant of people staring at you and it's just like you kind of just have to focus and I kind of just put my head down when I was in the kitchen at least and kind of just did what I knew what how to do which was cook and then I was like well hopefully this will translate but it was definitely. Uh, stress. It was a lot of stress. Is he lovely behind the scenes? Because we talk about a lot on this podcast because, as I'm sure you well know, there's a lot of kitchen trauma that happens with the mm-hmm. hyper-masculinity and the totally. toxic kitchen culture. And yep. and I always say, I'm sure he's lovely outside of the show, but the man yeah. has made millions of dollars off of toxic kitchen culture because all he does oh, is, yeah. is yell and scream at people yeah. and throw things, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I think that he's definitely like over the years, I think that like shtick of like the same things, calling people a donkey or whatever, you know, his like catchphrases, I think it's calmed down a little bit. When I was on my all-star season, I think because we had all been on the show before, there was definitely a lot less of that uh, yelling. And maybe it's because we just were better this time around. I don't know. Um, We had no off-camera interaction with him. So everything that anytime he was there and we were there, the cameras were rolling. But there was like in between takes and stuff, he was cool. Like he... He seems really cool. He's very stoic and definitely, um, he's tall. He's like probably like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he's stoic. He's really in shape. He's a good looking guy. And he's just, it's a little intimidating. Um, but other than the, the intimidation part of it, I don't think he's as, he has kids. He's like, he has a bunch of kids. And he was like, he's like a two-year-old son. So, I mean, he, you got to kind of be a little bit warm and fuzzy if you have children. At least I think, but. Well, well one would hope. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely, when I knew that he had kids and I knew, like, you could tell he wasn't as, he's not as bad as he portrays uh, on TV. Definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all for the cameras. Of but, course. But it's, it can be, you know, slightly problematic, you know, um, just, really? just in the journey that I've been on through this podcast. And so I've always, I've always been curious to know um, what he's really like and what he's like, you know. Yeah. behind the scenes, behind the cameras yeah. and whatnot. He's also, that could have been a food news update. He's also opening like an authentic fish and chips restaurant like near my apartment someplace. Oh, cool. Right. That'll be another food news update for another yeah. time in your mouth, listeners. What's next for you? Hmm. So my husband and I <clears throat> were currently fostering. So we have our daughter, Savannah, who was turning five in August and we are currently fostering a little girl. She is 10 months old. So that's keeping me very busy. I was kind of on this journey with you, my YouTube channel, Commanding Your Kitchen, where I was uploading every week. And then when we got this little girl into our care, my life was slipped upside down. Um, she had 
a lot of health issues because she was born um, drug addicted and she had like a feeding tube and there was a lot of, a lot, it was a lot, especially for my husband and I to handle with our daughter and her and knock on wood, she is, the baby is doing amazing. No more feeding tube. She's growing great. And now that she's finally at a place where like she's eating and she's doing amazing, I can be like, okay, now I can kind of like focus. Now I can go back to like filming videos and I really want to pursue food media in, in some sort of capacity. Um, and I really did enjoy making my YouTube videos. So definitely stay tuned for that kind of thing. Um, my YouTube will be back to uploading regular, regular videos every week, which I've been really enjoying. Um, and I really do enjoy being a dad. So you really can kind of do it all. People out there who, who, who want to have a career in, in food and who are part of our community. I mean, I'm living proof. <laughs> I have two children. I'm married and I, and I, own a catering company, but you kind of can do it all. You just have to prioritize. And I always tell people that you have to advocate for yourself, especially in our community. You have to really be like, whether it's going for a sous chef position or like, this is why I deserve this job because enlist the reasons why. And I, and I did that when I was younger and I continue to do that now and it's worked. Um, and the worst people are going to say is no. And then, okay. And then you move on. So I've tried to keep that mentality going into like my adult life and my career now. So, yeah, I love that. And I can't wait to see what's next from you and see all the content that you're already putting out, uh, which I really love. And yeah. And I just love the spirit and I love, I love what you're doing and I'm so happy that we've gotten to connect today to tell a little bit of your story and let the listener yeah. know. So thank you so much for coming on. <gasps> Give the kids the handles, the Twitters, the, the OnlyFans, whatever you got, give Not it. Yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. Um, it, it's all my social is at Chef Nick Peters Bond um, on Instagram, Facebook, and not on Twitter anymore. But I do have my YouTube channel, Commanding Your Kitchen, and I will be back to posting weekly videos on there. Okay. Lovely, 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 lovely. Well, big shout out to Nicholas Peters Bond. And I really, really can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for and, having me. And I really just appreciate peaking it. and, yeah. you know, this isn't the last of us. That is for sure. In your mouth, like. listeners, get out there, right? Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. The weather is beautiful, at least here in New York City. It's beautiful. Um, you know, do the thing and keep an eye out for the Pride merch for sure. Go follow Nick on all all social media platforms. Show him all the love. And, you know, write me. Um, write me. Tell me what you think about the new merch. Buy the new merch. I'm telling you, every last cent that I make from it is going to a good cause. And with that, I think all I have left to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Man.